0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Powerful forces are
1: colliding.
0: Extreme weather is now
1: open in IMAX at the TELUS World of Science Edmonton. Follow everyday heroes in this incredible film. Tickets at TELUSWorldofScienceEdmonton.ca. 20 seconds to go. Risha Shane Talbot. Rebound,
0: top of blue paint. Shot Martinez save talent Kobatar backs it off the back of your head. 12-second three shot Martinez. Save made by Camp Talman. Here come the
2: Oilers, two-on-one to win it. Big David in for the left-hand side. Dry subtle waits. There's a
1: center pass.
2: What timers score.
1: Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed
0: Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 champ. Hey, the Edmonton Eskimos getting ready to go to Winnipeg. Preseason game on Thursday. It's on 6.30, 5 o'clock for the pregame show. The ball will be booted into the lovely Winnipeg atmosphere at 6.30. Morley Scott and Dave Campbell will have the call. We'll have the latest on the Edmonton Eskimos uh, throughout the show. We'll be dropping in news and notes as we move along. I can tell you, Mike Riley not going to play we all know he's the starting quarterback. Franklin, O'Brien, and Klein all expected to get reps. I would uh, expect Franklin to start since he's the next next guy on the depth chart. Eskimos secondary already a little bit banged up though. It looks like Marcel Young will be good to go for Week One when the Oilers are when the Eskimos actually start the season in BC on the 24th. Uh, we'll see about Johnny Adams. He's back at practice. Pretty good defensive back, uh, had a little bit of uh, issues uh, last year, but uh, he got uh, injured in the preseason game on Sunday against Calgary, but was back at practice today. But, yeah, more on the Eskimos as we move along tonight. You'll hear from Shamad Chambers. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad, The Blue Jays trail... Tampa Bay 4-0 in the bottom of the third, so an early deficit for the Jays. Your scoreboard for Crystal Glass, for all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. NHL season over, at least the uh, hockey part of it. A lot of uh, off-season moves, draft, free agency, expansion draft, all coming up. And I'm pleased to welcome back to the show NHL goaltending legend Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing, buddy?
1: You know, a couple things, uh, Reed. First of all, I'm doing really well, but uh, I may have to sneeze one or two times. My allergies are killing me. I'm back here in Alberta. And secondly, the really, really good news is uh, I'm on summer holidays. I don't have to work again until October, and uh, my wife and I have a super – busy summer plan so it's all good from here moving forward
0: well that's good i'm glad you get some downtime because i know you're away from home a lot and pretty much through the entire playoffs you're, you're away from home so so you know you, you're not going to the draft or anything hey eh? you're all you're all done for a while
1: yeah i'm done uh there are other people doing that uh i used to be invited a lot as a presenter at the all-star game um or at the uh Uh, awards banquet. Uh, I'm not anymore and I'm perfectly cool with that. As you said, I've got such a busy schedule that, frankly, I'm more than happy when they don't invite me anymore.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny. Too. I was talking about this last night, Kelly. I, I think after the officiating, one of the loudest complaints I heard from, from fans that listened to the show was how long the season took. And I was right. joking, maybe they could have Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final around the draft or on Canada Day or something. But uh, <laughs> it, what, what was, I think the series 93, you guys played against Montreal, uh, and that was ended in Game 5. I think that was June 9th. So game, okay. if there would have been a seven, probably would have been on the, well, I guess I would have made it the 11th or 13th. I can't remember the dates of the yep. games that, that weren't played. But how, how did you, how did your, I mean, you were obviously thrilled to be in the Stanley Cup final. You guys For were sure. three wins away from winning the whole thing. But how did yeah. your body feel going that deep and, and into a time of year where, you know, the weather's obviously changed and the, a lot of people's cycles are changing? How did you feel that spring?
1: You're fantastic! Absolutely fantastic. I just remember it was so easy to play, especially after you get out of the first round. I've always said that. That's the most nerve-wracking round, the first round. And then when we were able to beat Vancouver in the second round, it just like a lot of the pressure was just lifted off. The Kings had never gone that far in their existence. Um, and I just remember it was so darn hot in L.A. those days one thing, uh, hydration was really, really important. And then after it was all over, Reed, another thing that I remembered really, really well is that training was really easy for the upcoming season because we'd gone so long, right? So I was only able to uh, take, I don't know, two, three weeks off, and then I started right back at it. And I was still in really great shape. Um, I do recall that same year, uh, my wife's sitting with me in my truck right now listening to this, she'll get a good chuckle over this we rented a motorhome from edmonton and uh uh there's a bit of a mix-up we're gonna go to the rockies we're gonna take our kids on a camping trip to the rockies we had uh, all three daughters at that point and i show or i called the dealership <laughs> the day before because i was gonna rent this like uh, something the kennedys would have 40-some feet or some this motorhome and for whatever reason they couldn't find the paperwork or anything so we got like uh... a twenty three-footer i couldn't even stretch out on the bed it was so short that uh... <laughs> <I had to laughs> just kind to sleep in a, in a ball and, and then it was raining on a lot of the trip and I have to sleep right by the window, and of course the window leaked, so I was cold, sleeping in a ball, getting wet every single night in <laughs> Banff and Jasper on our trip. Thanks well, for the memories, Reed.
2: Yeah,
0: there we go. Well, let me I, let me ask you another one. You mentioned how hot it was in L.A., and I know I'm asking you to remember something 24 years ago, but that was obviously one of the, your career highlights. What was the ice like in Los Angeles? Because You know what, Kelly? All, after almost every game, Regardless of where it's played, and, and they did have some ice issues at Rogers' place, I think more so yeah. in the first half of the season. But somebody always texts into me and Rob, no matter where the Oilers play, saying, did, Didn't the ice look bad? I, I mean, I, I don't know if there's an arena in the NHL anymore that has really good ice, but how did the ice in LA stand up back in 93?
1: Well, there's a guy uh, back then in the LA forum, uh, Roberto is his first name, and he, that was his duty to take care of the ice. He was the Zamboni driver. Uh, the good news is he's actually moved on to the Staples Center, so I still see him whenever I go back. He did his the, the best job ever of trying to make that ice playable, but the fact of the matter is it wasn't very good. After about 10 minutes of every period, it was pretty lousy. But it, both teams kind of got used to it. Um, it wasn't a real point of contention for all of us, just simply because it was so warm in that building. And most players back then were used to the fact that a lot of the buildings were made for the comfort of the fans. So growing up, I mean, in Edmonton, I played on a lot of really great ice surfaces. And over time in the NHL, I just learned that, you know what, it, it's just you just have to accept it. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you get to many of the rinks in the NHL now, Reed, but there's this, there's this campaign going on by the NHL, to make all these rinks the coldest building on the universe. So right. you go into these buildings, and they are absolutely freezing. Like, oftentimes, you can, you don't see it, of course, when I'm doing color for the flames, but most often, I wear my parka when I'm co- calling the games with Rick Ball, and whenever we have it on camera, then I just take it off. That's how cold they are in an effort to try and make the ice a little bit better. I don't know if it's really worked, but that is their theory anyways.
0: Yeah, and uh, Roger's place was was quite cold at times too. Though, like I said, it did change a little bit as the season went on, and I I, I sure. did expect obviously there'd be tweaking in a brand new building, so we yeah. shouldn't be surprised by that. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, before we look ahead to some some things for the summer and even next year, uh, it ended in Game Six. Uh, obviously, Matt Murray came through. Crosby gets the con Smythe again. Uh, there was yet another. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, officiating kerfuffle with that quick whistle in right. in, in Game Six. Uh, how are how are you going to remember this Cup final, Kelly?
1: Sidney Crosby again. Just how uh, he was he, he wasn't as effective early on, and I thought before some of the foursome of the top four D of uh, Nashville did a really great job on him. And then, unfortunately, in a moment in which I thought P.K. Subban was just having a little bit of fun, but then he takes it to a couple different levels with the bad breath and Listerine, that reignited the best player on the planet. And I just don't know why Subban would have gone with that, made it public again. Like, I know he's a really good player, and he's having a little bit of fun on the post-game interview, says this. And all of a sudden, Crosby goes to a different level, and he just kept getting better. So Game 4, he was really, really good, scored that first period. Breakaway goal, had another breakaway in the second, had a lot more chances, setting everybody up. And then in Game 5, what do you have, three assists, and by far nobody's even close to how good he was. Uh, And Game 6 just continued to be an unbelievable player. So that's what I kind of remember as well as Matt Murray. I've really grown to appreciate him, especially when you see him in person. How just how quiet he is, how efficient his movements are, doesn't ever seem to get uh, rattled. I called him on uh, Game Six, I think in the second intermission, that he's unflappable. Just does everything right. I mean, when you look at his record, uh, and I'm speaking out of school here, it, it mirrors Ken Dryden, which uh, everybody recognizes. Dryden is known as one of the all-time best, and we don't know what kind of career or what kind of obstacles. Murray might face down the road, but that's an awfully pretty good start to his career.
0: That's a really interesting comparison. And, yeah, a guy coming in like that, young, winning the Stanley Cup early in his career on a, on a, on a great team, that's a really good point. And in terms of Subban, I'll just say this. I don't know why he would single out Crosby, because I've interviewed a lot of hockey players uh, after games and practices, and you guys all stink one way or another. Like, that's a, that's <laughs> You know what? You are right. Like, I
1: did kind of <laughs> chuckle to myself... Every once in a while, and sometimes even it might have been your own teammate. You're thinking to yourself, "Man, did he have? He had way too much garlic at the pregame meal today, and (laughs) and he just reeks." And you're so right. I mean, when you get to the rink, uh, some guys might brush their teeth, getting ready or whatever. But then you know you're not anywhere
0: near a breath mint or. But the equipment stinks, right? Like five hours, right? Yeah. Yeah, but the, like, totally. the, the equipment stinks, and like you just get used absolutely. to that dressing room smell, right?
1: Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing like the Soviets, though. I remember my first time I played against them, I believe it would have been 78 or... No, it would have been maybe 79 or 80 when uh, they brought over this uh, touring team from the Soviets, and, and they had a lot of their real big stars. I don't even know why they were playing us in junior. They hammered us about... Twenty to one, and they weren't even trying. But just the smell of them—oh my gosh—they didn't believe in showering back then. And oh my, it was a it was a game changer for us.
0: Oh, that's classic. Kelly Rooney joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, couple things here before I let you go. Uh, the, you know, we we both know the officiating huge topic in the postseason, and I, and I don't think that's just from an Oilers perspective. I think there were there was a few things that uh, had people debating. One rule change that you would like to see for next season, and that's whether it's penalty enforcement, video review, anything like that, what would Commissioner Rudy do if he could do one thing?
1: Okay, I'm going to surprise you. Uh, I know everybody talks about goalie interference and the coach's challenge for offside and all those, and I hope they get it uh, figured out so it's a little bit more effective and people are a little bit happier. But I'm going to go back to one that always sort of, got my interest, and, and I've mentioned it to a few people, and, and it just never gets any traction. So, yeah, NHL, they want more scoring chances or more goals, correct? Yep. So what I don't understand is it's allowed by the defensive team in their own zone to make a hand pass. Like if they lose their stick or if their stick is not available and they can't use their foot, they're allowed to literally – use their hand and cup the puck or whatever and move it to a teammate. But you're not allowed to do that as an offensive player. And the play is uh, called down. Why, why are you allowed to cheat in the defensive zone if we're trying to create more scoring opportunities? Doesn't it seem logical that if a player can't move a puck and he can't use a stick or a skate, he might try to, and we should call it a penalty. And, and that would lead to more scoring opportunities. I just think that that's, that's a no-brainer. It'd be easy. Nobody would complain about it. Nobody cares. Nobody thinks that uh, you need that advantage to play the the puck with your hand in the uh, defensive zone.
0: That's an interesting point if that were a penalty. I mean, you can't win a faceoff with your hand anymore, right? That's a penalty. That's right. So, yeah, if you you drop your stick, you could still try to bat the puck out of the zone or or whatever. So that would be interesting if that were a penalty. You know what else? Somebody suggested to me along those lines that if a guy – breaks his stick and is playing without a stick, and then his team ices the puck, he shouldn't mm-hmm. be allowed, because you're not allowed to change, so why should he be oh, allowed wow. to change equipment, right? So he wow. has to start off the face-off with no stick. Wouldn't that be something? Uh,
1: I had never considered that. It, 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 I wouldn't like it, but it seems to make sense, right?
0: Yeah. Anyway, that's, but, that's, that's yeah. a good one about the hand pass, Kelly. Yeah,
1: well, interesting,
0: huh? Yeah. Okay, one more. One yep. more for you before I send you off on your summer holiday. Yep. Will Jordan Eberle be an oiler at the start of the season?
1: Um, I'm going to say no, but uh, I've talked to a number of people. There, There is a lot of interest from other teams, certainly teams that, that need scoring that are, to a certain degree, willing to overlook some of his shortcomings. And, uh, I mean, in today's game, you need to score, and if you can find a guy with that kind of talent, uh, I think there will be some takers. Um, you know, I, I I always look at a guy like Jordan Everly and I'm not singling him out because there are other players around the league that are skilled. But I wonder if they watch the finals or even the semifinals and go, you know what? If I work that hard, I I could maybe be there. Like, that's just the one thing that you that really stands out when you when you finally go to these finals and you cover them it's it's oftentimes not only the most talented team but the two hardest working teams in the finals
0: yeah I, 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 I'm I leaning towards the fact he's probably going to be, be traded as well. And I think that's the top storyline for the Oilers. I mean, the draft is yes. always important, yes. but it's not you're not going to draft a guy at 22 that's going to jump in and play like they have been in the past. So, yeah, it's going to be yep. fun. Kelly, yep. it's been a pleasure to have you on throughout the season. Uh, I'm already going to invite you back next season, but uh, we'll worry about that <laughs> in October. Uh, enjoy the summer, buddy. I'm sure we'll be in touch, but really appreciate your time.
1: Same, reed, Have a great summer.
0: That is Kelly Rudy checking in tonight, former NHL goaltender now with the NHL on Rogers and a weekly guest throughout the season here on Inside Sports. Yakushev texting in. He says, what do you mean Russians smell bad? Uh, the Big L texts in. He says, uh, Reed, that's interesting what Kelly mentioned about recently having to wear a Parker during a Flames game in the Saddledome. I was there a few years ago, and I, and I asked uh, why it was so hot. An attendant told me, uh, they only turned on the AC for the F- Hitman and Flames games. So what was he there? For? What were you? What were you there for, Big L? Well, oh, he played in there a few years ago. We got the play in there. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, you can text six thirty. Let me put it this: one rule change you would like for next season in the NHL. I'm sure that I'm sure some of you will be eager to answer that. And what is the smelliest sport? 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Inside Sports on Chad.
3: Hi, this is Ryan Eugen Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630-CHED. Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight.
0: My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630. Chad. we'll have uh, the latest from the Eskimos coming up in the next half hour. Sean Burke, former NHL goalie, Brendan Burke, current goalie for the U of A Golden Beers, our Father's Day week segment coming up between 730 and 8 tonight. That'll be fun. 780-496-0063. Quickly get to Steve here. Hi, Steve. What's on your mind? Yeah, the smelliest sport in the world. Go ahead bull riding oh that's a that's a really good suggestion I've been down by the chutes covering uh bull riding and rodeo Steve and you do get some funky emissions from the animals don't you
2: oh and their tails pick it up and then they whip it
0: <laughs> are you are you a cowboy or around uh, rodeo or what I'm a cowman <laughs> nice okay Steve I appreciate the suggestion thanks for listening okay <laughs> okay all right we also have Jim on the uh, phone line hey Jim I still think
2: hockey is. <laughs> but uh, Reed, I've got a, a question. You know, what 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 you need to do with the NHL is you have to give everybody on the ice, the lines on the referees' classes. Well- and then we have to be able to be able to see every angle there is from every TV uh, in the stadium or in, in, the, in the arena, so that we can actually uh, see for ourselves whether they're calling it or not. Because I think I mean it's just not us. I mean it's the whole. I mean if, if the NHL has to have any black cloud at all. It's the referees. So if you give the referees and with all brand new glasses, trifocals, uh, and and you'd be able to see the big eyes, and then then maybe that'll that'll work. The other thing is, can you explain to me why the other night, game six of the NHL, you guys aren't broadcasting uh, the the hockey game, or we're listening to an exhibition game?
0: Uh, well, absolutely, local local sports trumps everything, and we are the play by play voice of the Edmonton Eskimos. Simple, simple, yeah, but... very simple decision for us.
2: Well, I thought it was just too bad because really if that would have been game six, then it would have been the Oilers. It would have been fine. But I understand it's just too bad that game six all the way through that they couldn't have covered it.
0: Well, we had a conflict and we'll always go uh, Eskimos over Pittsburgh and Nashville. But I appreciate the question, Jim. Thanks for listening, man. All right. Thank you. Alright, 780-496-0063. We'll get some text to 630-630 as well. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio. 630 chat. <laughs>
2: This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Ched.
0: Well, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's 6:35. The text line to 6:30. 6:30. Always fun to read what you're thinking. I I just put it out there. If, if you if you could make just one rule change for the NHL next season, what would it be? And at the same time, I also said because. Kelly and I started talking about uh, the Suban bad breath, Crosby comment. And I said, well, hockey players kind of stink in general, especially after games, which he thought was funny. And I said, what's the stinkiest sport? So some people are just texting in both. So I'll just read a whole bunch here. Lyle says one rule change I would like to see is if the refs would actually call goalie interference. And then he also says, I own a laundromat and I do jerseys for sports teams. The worst teams by far are lacrosse. They go into the washing machine by themselves. Another texter says, to get more scoring, move the goal line back to where it was. Pushes the play to the front of the net. Well, that's an interesting one. Derek from Lloyd says, "Uh, one rule change, get rid of the instigator rule, then we won't have the luxury of watching a repeat of how the Ducks played in the playoffs ever again. And Derek also says, the smelliest sport, I bet, would be mixed martial arts. That's interesting. Uh, Kirk says, one thing I would change is that Bettman would not give out the Stanley Cup or any award. The last captain to hoist the Cup should hand it over to the new Cup captain. Kirk, that would have been interesting this year if Nashville would have won. Because Crosby would have had to give it to Fisher after being beaten by Fisher. I know, though, that a lot of people don't like Bettman giving out the cup. I think it was Adam Proto when he was we're writing for the Hockey News a few years ago. He was really lobbying that an, an NHL legend give out uh, the Stanley Cup or have a legend from that team present the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, maybe, I mean, Mario's now the owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins, so that might be kind of weird, but Mario could give her, you know... uh Tom Barrasso could come and present it to Sidney Crosby or something like that if the Penguins won, right? Dan says, I believe the smelliest sport would have to be rodeo. Can you imagine how much waste all of those bulls and horses produce? And we had a caller uh, suggesting that before the break as well. Uh, this texter says, get rid of coaches' challenges for offsides. Smelliest sport has to be hockey. I was at a junior game sitting behind the player's bench. I almost passed out. Uh, that's a good one. Chris says, This oh, another vote for lacrosse as the smelliest sport. All that hockey-type gear and warm rinks. I can't stand my own kids in the truck driving home. That is from Chris. Maybe I should have made that anonymous. <laughs> he can't stand his, his own kids' smell driving home. Um, Dale in the Boo. Where is the Boo? Malibu? Does Do we have a neighborhood that you shorten to the Boo? I don't know. He would say no icing on penalty kills and smelly of sport high school wrestling. And uh, Spankachu says you should get a penalty in the NHL for intentional shot blocking. I just don't know. I, I know what you're saying. I just don't know how they would differentiate a, an intentional shot block from a unintentional. And they, they, I mean, kind of a, aren't they all intentional if you're doing something to get in the way of the puck? but I, I know a lot of people think there are too many blocked shots. want to get to some Eskimos news here in a minute. I just, I, I, I think you're going to love this story and maybe some of you have heard it before, but uh, I, I know if, 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 you, if you, even if you have, I think you'll enjoy being reminded of it. And if you're listening with somebody kind of having a laugh over it or talking about it with a friend or a buddy, maybe later tonight or tomorrow morning, And because obviously the NBA ended last night with Golden State beating Cleveland and, I don't know what made me think of this, but I went and looked it up because there was a it might have been in Sports Illustrated a few years ago, and I went and double checked. So just be, because it's it's related to sports ownership, right? And every sports owners are always vilified because you know they're greedy or they want this or they want that, and you know we went through the arena deal situation here in Edmonton. Now they're going through it in Calgary. So there's always these debates, but I, I think you'll kind of like you'll kind of like this one. So some of you may be old enough to remember or will have read about a league called the American Basketball Association. So this was basketball's virgin, uh, virgin. This was basketball's Freudian slip! Oh my god! Uh, this was uh, basketball's version of the WHA. An, an upstart league to kind of challenge the NBA and maybe merge or whatever. And they eventually did merge. Four four teams from the ABA wound up being NBA teams. So when the ABA uh, stopped, there there were seven teams left, right? So four of them four of them got to join the NBA. Uh, another guy got a got a settlement. There was another team that had kind of already folded, so they didn't get anything. Now here's the, here's the interesting story, and to me, guys, this is one of the most fascinating stories in pro sports that I've ever heard of. So there was a team called. The, uh, the the spirits of St. Louis, okay? So they were owned by two brothers named Ozzie and Dan Silna. So this is, this is 1976, okay? So the ABA is collapsing, all right? So what happens was these guys make a deal to get future television money from the teams that joined the NBA. So they would get uh, a seventh of the share from each of the four franchises that joined the NBA, okay? So that would work out to be about 2% of the entire NBA's TV money. So this is the, the mid-70s. So, so they strike this deal or say, okay, we don't have a team. Our team's not joining the NBA. But for the four ABA teams that still exist now in NBA form, we get some of your TV money every year and it works out to 2 2% of the total NBA TV deal in perpetuity. That was the language of the deal. In case you don't know what in perpetuity means, it means forever. <laughs> okay. So I mean I'm kind of stunned the NBA and the teams agreed to this. So anyway, so the Sill and the brothers strike this deal. So the network TV deals for the NBA obviously become more and more lucrative over the years. And, and as if you, if you know about basketball, I mean, even in the early 80s, it what kind of wasn't that big a deal. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, then Jordan comes in and it takes off. And it was, especially in the 90s, the NBA was massive, right? So get this, as of two, 2008, the Silna brothers, this is according to a report in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, had earned $186 million. Now, granted, it was, you know, over almost 40 years, but still, 186 divided by that's pretty good. And then by 2012, they'd earned $255 million. Now, get, get this. This is fascinating. In 1982... The NBA tried to buy out the Silna brothers by offering them $5 million over eight years, but the Silna's wanted $8 million over five years. So they said no, and then they earned, you know, over $250 million over a longer term. Um, So finally, in 2014, they reached an agreement with the NBA to reduce the perpetual payments and get a lump sum of $500 million. <laughs> like, So uh, these guys made like three quarters of a billion dollars off a team that ceased to exist in 1976. Are these guys the most brilliant sports owners of all time? You kinda, one, just, made... <laughs> just one thing I got to say about that. Take that for data. <laughs> I mean... Uh, I, I know people texting in. A couple people texting in that there's a, there's a thirty for thirty documentary on that. I have not I have not seen that, but I have read about these it's, guys. It's really good read. It's a fascinating, it's really like, it's a fascinating story. I'm, I'm glad some people know know what I'm talking about. So I mean, <laughs> can you can you imagine? Is is there a better better business people any business? Forget sports ownership. Whatever, you've made three quarters of a billion dollars off a of business. you've that not only you don't really own, it doesn't exist like you used to own it when it existed but you're still you're still getting paid for it uh, so anyway now they get a smaller portion of the television revenue but I guess they're, they're going to be okay because they got the $500 million uh, lump sum so anyway uh, I, that's a fascinating story from the world of sports I just wanted to share that to you. Could you imagine
2: if say when they were striking the WHA NHL deal that one of the teams that wasn't coming over like a Cincinnati or a Cincinnati Houston Stingers, yeah they're their ownership decided, okay, we're we're not uh, going into the NHL at all. But here's the compromise for us: we want two percent
0: of the league's television. Well, right, that's, ex- in that's per- exactly right? what it worked out. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it worked out to be. So anyway, you- insane, right? You can text six thirty six thirty seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the phone number. Uh, a little bit from uh, Eskimos head coach Jason Moss when we get back. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. It was about a year ago, Mark Letestu was in studio with his dad, Garth. Father's Day week here on Inside Sports continued last night with another Oiler, Matthew Benning, his dad, Brian, who played in the NHL, his sister, Abby national champion with the Alberta Pandas hockey team this past season we will have former NHL goaltender Sean Burke, his son Golden Bears goaltender Brendan Burke coming up between 7.30 and 8 tonight. Really appreciate you tuning in. It is 6.50 it is the Blue Jays trailing Tampa Bay 6-0 in the bottom of the fifth that's on the Crystal Glass scoreboard for all your glass needs visit crystalglass.ca okay so here's what's going on with the Edmonton Eskimos Defensive backfield already banged up. Marcel Young should be good for week one. Forrest Hightower remains out indefinitely. Uh, Johnny Adams back at practice today. We will uh, see if he's going to go on Thursday when the Eskimos visit Winnipeg for a preseason contest. Mike Riley not going to play on Thursday. Franklin O'Brien and Klein will be your quarterbacks. How about that debut for Zach Klein? He threw one pass on Sunday against Calgary, went for a 100-yard touchdown to Duke Williams.
2: You know, I got the
0: call before we even
2: got out there when I was on the sideline, and I was laughing with Coach Jordan because... Obviously, it's a bomb. So I was like, okay, got to grease up the old arm and see how this one goes. We were going to leave him in for one drive, and we knew it was going to come down the wire, and I wanted a more experienced guy and Danny that had been here in, in our offense for
3: longer than Klein's few days. Coach Carson was like, I have one more play left. Go make a play, you know, before I get, get out the game. So I was just thinking the whole time on the sideline, I have to make this play for my team.
2: Bounces around on the pocket. He's going deep. He's got Williams wide open. Took my drop. You could tell that they blew the coverage. And after that, I'm like, all right. I'm just going to rip this one. See if Duke can get under it. And I didn't even see him catch it till he was like halfway to the end zone. So and once I saw him score, I was like, ah, this is not happening.
3: <laughs> um, I think it was a busted coverage because the cornerback um, had his eyes in the backfield. And once I seen that, I just took off, and the quarterback also seen it. And he just let it, he just aired out, and we made a connection.
2: He's got Williams wide open at the 50, the 40, the 30. He's got a man chasing, and he cuts to the inside.
3: You know, he when he threw it up, I just had to go get it, and that was a nice ball from our quarterback. And plus, they, the O line gave him time to throw the ball, so credit go to them too. <laughs> and when the ball was in there, I had to make a. Play. i've been doing it all camp you know it was nothing new to me i just had to make a play when the ball was thrown and i was running and i was like i cannot run a guy so i got to make some type of move and and i just pulled the Marshawn lynch you know just try to throw a stiff arm and get in the end zone duke
2: williams
1: touchdown
2: it was definitely a uh, a cool moment when i'll I was, I never was gonna... forget he's got a man chasing and he cut The inside Duke Williams touchdown what a way to come into the game touchdown pass and a
1: bomb from Zach Klein to Duke Williams 90 yards Zach Klein to Duke Williams
2: you know Klein's going to get work next week no matter what um but I I didn't want to put him in that situation so I wanted to get him one drive and it just turned out to be one throw and one touchdown so uh probably pretty neat experience for him and
0: Uh, that was (laughs) definitely uh one way to start a CFL career yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Zach and I said hundred yards. I was having Mil Steagall flashbacks. It was ninety yards, obviously. Uh to Duke Williams. You know, Duke Williams, uh, also known as DeKeel Williams. They call him Duke for short. He's he's gonna be interesting. I mean, he was a really good receiver for Auburn, which is a really good NCAA school. They play in the SEC. That's the best conference. Uh, but he had some issues there, some discipline issues, uh, I mean he had a, a scrap with a teammate uh, in an altercation at a, at a at a bar as well, wound up, he, he was suspended for a bowl game one year, then he flat out got kicked off the team later on in his college career, so one of those guys, because of that, kind of fell out of favor with uh, with NFL scouts, and you know, that's Sometimes that's the type of guy you get in in the CFL. He made some mistakes, and uh, they, because of character issues, they don't take him in the NFL. So he's looking to get back on the right track with the Eskimos. No doubt he has the physical tools. I mean, big guy, had another great catch called back because of a penalty on uh, Sunday against the Calgary Stampeders. Another receiver, he's uh, back with the Eskimos after a year in Saskatchewan, Shamad Chambers back at practice, not likely to play on Thursday, and uh, he's been dealing with an early season injury. When
3: you go under the knife, nothing is is that serious, right? It's just having the great communication that I have with the training staff and my strength and conditioning coach here, and obviously our coaching staff that allows me to be able to to understand that I need to focus on what's in front of me and what's Mm -hmm. in front of me was just to work every single day to make sure I was ready to be out here and practice and be out here with the guys so you know as much as you know I wasn't taking physical reps I was taking a lot of mental reps and I was you know standing behind everybody asking a lot of questions still studying my playbook and being on top of things and those are the things that are important you know three four years ago that might not have been Shaman Chambers now I understand I'm I'm 28 years old in my 6th year in this league. So, I'm not worried about anything. Like, we've seen it all here. So, you know, we've been Great Cup champions to 4 and 14. Yeah, nothing's going to phase me now at this point in my life and I'm just ready to go. Like, whatever whenever that whenever it's time, I'm I'm ready to get it going. What's it like coming back here having fresh set of eyes, you know, people that have obviously seen you in the league but, you know, you're now you're working with them and you know coach moss for example you got a new gm you know a new coordinator like what's that like to try to you know know the city you know your teammates you know the locker room but you gotta you know prove yourself again to another set of eyes obviously like in you know it's been different just because you know obviously change comes and it happens in pro sports and you know you want to you want to have a good impression you know you want to have a good impression on everybody and it's it's on and off the field you know and uh, you know the one thing that i've been working on the most is you know i'm everyone knows every all the guys know how i am and stuff like that but you want to make sure that you're you're you've you have growth mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and that you're not the exact same person as you were when you first came in i've this is this city i've known this city more than i probably know toronto at this point you know like this is pretty much home for me so I came here when I was a kid like I remember when I was dropping every ball on the field and was complaining about it right like it was my you know I'm holding myself accountable for the things that I need to be doing and you know like I said while I wasn't on the field the only thing I could do is make sure I was in the playbook taking the notes that I need to take and make sure that I was asking questions and making sure these guys knew that I was still locked and ready to go and at this point again like you know sometimes things happen you know what I mean like Football is like everyone wants to come and say, you know, this this guy gets hurt, this guy. But football, like, we play a collision sport, you know. And at the end of the day, things happen. And, you know, it's what you do to bounce back from it. And I have no problem with doing that. So, you know, at the end of the day, how I look at it is my goals haven't changed for this year. I'm excited for the season. And, you know, I'm going to stay calm and. Ready to go, and I'm excited. I can't wait to kick it off. It's spoken like a Wiley vet. Hey, it's about that time, right?
0: <laughs> there we go. Shamat Chambers, Eskimos receiver, talking to Dave Campbell. We'll talk about a kid from Spruce Grove trying to make the Ottawa Red Blacks at Ilnicki when we get back. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.